Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Good afternoon, everybody. It is the Steve Jones Show on a Thursday. News Radio 1070 WKOK. Matt Catrillo here with you. Steve will soon be there from the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. And, man, I thought we wouldn't, we, this would be kind of like an open-ended show today, but... The Pennsylvania football teams have strike have struck again, and we've got lots to talk about now. Starting with the Eagles, the new head coach is in, Nick Sirianni, former Colts offensive coordinator. Not surprising because you saw lots of reports the last couple of days that the Eagles had interviewed him from yesterday into today. There a lot, and it seemed like it was coming down to him or Josh McDaniels. So I'll give this to you in two ways. One. Thank God it's not Josh McDaniels. And two, it's not a bad hire, but I think the Eagles still could have done better. Awful hire. Uh, Seriously, it's one of the worst hires I've seen in a long time. Um, Almost shocking how bad it was. Maybe not. <laughs> I mean, I know very little about him, but I've heard a lot of good things about him so far. So I, I, I am not even going to offer much of an analysis on on that for this particular reason. I don't know much about him. Uh, so, like, so when I sit there and say, "Hey, awful hire, Till," I'm just kidding around. I'm not going to sit here. And be, hey, now, now look at what the Colts did this year. Right, so he's a Colts offensive coordinator, right? Yeah. So you look at what the Colts did this year. I thought, you know, he had an experienced quarterback in Philip Rivers. Uh, so as soon as Rivers quit, uh, you know, he bagged town fast. Hmm. I thought that was interesting. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm having a little fun with you today. Um, and. But this is what I find interesting. He had a pocket guy in Phillip Rivers. Good scheme, got the most out of him, you know, in conjunction with Frank Reich. But he also had a backup in Jacoby Brissett, who in a lot of ways plays some of the game like Jalen Hurts. See, I think that part's interesting. Um, that, um, that they have a guy... That plays that each roster had a guy that plays similar to the roster he's inheriting, just younger. 
Right, he's 39. No, I'm talking about the quarterbacks. Oh, yes. They are close to my age. No, I'm saying the quarterbacks are younger than the ones he had in right. Yes, Indianapolis, but play a similar style in some ways to the quarterbacks he's getting in Philadelphia. There's, the quarterbacks are younger. Follow along here. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Still processing all this. <laughs> all right. Uh, so, I mean, maybe that plays a part into it. I mean, suppose he's got a great offensive mind. I'm sure at some point he talked with Frank Reich and said, okay, I need to talk to you. What's the deal with the dude? <laughs> right? Yeah, to have. Yeah, and, and Frank Reich even recommended him, apparently. Well, I'm sure he did. Because he's worked with Reich before when he was in their San Diego days, when Reich was the, the offensive Chargers. coordinator. Yep, he was yeah. the receiver coach, I want to say. Mm-hmm. And he's been a quarterback coach before, too. And then, obviously, they work together now with Indy. So, so on the surface, this seems, at least as a starting point, seems like a good hire. I would say by game three, you'll want him fired. Uh, no, I, I always have. I'm always fairly patient with a first year head coach. Game Game six, maybe <laughs> <laughs> by like game ten. We'll see. <laughs> you know, your fan base is frightening. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, I, I I do usually give it a, a year or two before, but you'll have a good indication. I I think once you get into like December, and then you learn more, and then you learn even more in December. Of usually how things might go with with a new coach, at least in, initially. But again, for me, it's the middle of the second year. By the middle of the second year, you know, because at that point the roster will change over a little bit. You get a feel for what the style is and so forth. Middle of the second year, you start to get a feel like, okay, are we going in the right direction here? But even in this case for the Eagles, there's just so many holes that you don't know what they're going to fill this off season. And then there's still question marks at quarterback. You know, if you if they stick with Wentz, how did how did things go with him in the first year? And is it good enough that things will be salvageable and that Wentz will be here for the future, like we all thought so? Or if not, what does it look like with Hertz? And will Hertz still be the guy going forward? So there's it's probably you're probably not going to really really know until I would say at least year two because there's so many other unknowns right now for the Eagles. Well, he's been a coordinator, which is, you know, a step up from, you know, the guy you wanted. I still wanted Eric Bieniemy. That's why I said the Eagles still could have done better you because wanted, I don't even You wanted Deuce Staley. Well, I I'll, I did, but I think Sirianni Sirianni was number 3 for me. So, like I said, this is not a this is not a bad hire, but I think they could have done better because number 1, Bieniemy is still out there and I don't even know if the Eagles really interviewed him there were some rumors that maybe they were going to do a virtual interview because the NFL granted permission to the Texans to do that but I don't know if that actually ever happened and if that actually never happened then shame on Jeff Lurie for not at least bringing in the hottest name to at least give it an interview if you're going to interview 10,000 other guys I mean it's not even the most significant NFL move in the state 
I know. Then we have to go to the other side of the state. I didn't even we didn't even get there yet. Dwayne Haskins. Yeah, that's a head scratcher for me. Uh no, it it it's actually one eighty of that. Uh it is First of all, it's, it's the minimum. Okay? It's the minimum. And you're not going to be able to draft in a spot where the Steelers are to get a quarterback that's going to fill the bill. And he gets to sit behind with no expectation behind Ben Roethlisberger and all likelihood is coming back. Uh, this is in a category of I don't think because of the money part, there's not a lot to lose. You find out what you have without the pressure of having to play him. I mean, he is not, he was not signed to be the starting quarterback. He was signed to be the backup quarterback. This was not one of those, hey, we brought him in. This is the equivalent of Jameis Winston signing, signing with the New Orleans Saints. Right. Right. I, I I get why they did it, because obviously they they have no confidence in Rudolph and or Dobbs, and I think we knew that already. But I, this doesn't spell the future for me yet. I think if the Steelers are really going to move forward and get back to the where they are with a new quarterback, it's going to have to be through the draft. But you're right; it's not going to be this year. So that's why let's bring him in for a for vet minimum and just see what he can do with the other two. But, see what you got. See what you have. I mean, because look, when Haskins operates with a clean pocket, he's very good. When, but Haskins' problem is that this is not a league that has a lot of clean pockets in it, and that's where he struggles. I mean, that's where he struggles. Uh, clean pocket, he's fine. Not so clean pocket, not so good. That's, but that was Dwayne Haskins' mo at Ohio State. He really struggled against Penn State, even though I know they came back and won the game. But he really struggled with that. It's actually Mr. Ham calling me. I just had to tell. I just had to hang up on Jack Ham because of you. <laughs> At least we're talking Steelers. I know. Hold on. So we are talking his team after all. I know. I understand that, but. I mean, maybe he's calling me because he's worried about Dwayne Haskins. I doubt it. Uh, <laughs> I, I also I doubt that. I, I think he's calling me about some other things. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. So Nick Sirianni is the head coach of the Eagles. You hate it. You're going to give him no chance. <laughs> and you you wanted Eric Bieniemy. I got it. That's basically right, but like I said, this you, is my number three choice. When I asked you the other day, you only had two. It's like it was it was Deuce Staley or bust. Well, because he didn't come because the, because this guy didn't come into the fray till earlier this week, and then all of a sudden he was there for two days, and now he's boom hired. He literally just came into the picture, and all of a sudden he's hired. And like I said, obviously I like some of the things I've heard so far, but well, then first again, of all, I think they could have done better. You, just because you think he just came into the picture doesn't mean he wasn't in the picture. You just didn't know about it. Right. 
mean, just like, for example, with Penn State's coordinator, offensive coordinator, nobody knew about it. It was like, oh, make it a move, okay? I'm texting my broadcast partner, telling him I'm calling him back at 3.30. All right. So, all right. Uh, so that, that's okay. That way we're all set. All right. It'll have to be a quick conversation, but I'm going to call him back during the news. And it's always, I mean, and all we do is, uh, I'm also getting text messages from, from people about, about what the, because I know we're not carrying the talk show tonight, the coaches show, because of the timing of it. Uh, <laughs> like, what, what time are we starting? Like, guys, I'm not in programming here. <laughs> I'm in, I'm in execution. And the audience, a lot of people in the audience, you know, believe in my execution. All right, we'll come back with more in a moment <laughs> here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. You're home for all Nick Sirianni talk all the time. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC Way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC Way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC Way. The SMC Way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Well, they say that Nick Sirianni is one of the top young offensive minds in the game at the age of 39. Everyone universally praises the job that he did with the Indianapolis Colts and Phillip Rivers this year working for Frank Reich. Now he has to go into Philadelphia and he has to look at Carson Wentz and Jalen Hurts and he has to tell Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie, look, this is the guy I think we can win with. I think I think it's obvious which one it is, but yeah, maybe to him it's not. We'll find out. I mean, to me, the obvious is Carson Wentz. I know most of you want to run him out of town. I realize that Matt has already put together a contest to see which one of you will drive him to the airport. <laughs> um, but you know what? For in 17, 18, and 19, Carson Wentz was a darn good quarterback for you. Darn good. All right? This year, no. But the other years, you don't make the playoffs without him last year. You don't have Carson Wentz as your quarterback. I mean, you know, you don't, you're know, you not in the playoffs. And it didn't help that he got slammed to the turf by Jadavian Clowney in the Seattle game. So, you, you know, nobody knows how, you know, I mean, they weren't going to be a Super Bowl team. But, 
But could they have won that game and, you know, in advance or whatever? Okay. Uh, but that is – I mean, that's been your quarterback the last three years. You are not in the playoffs a year ago without him as your quarterback on a team that was already deteriorating to begin with. This year, no. Obviously, he really struggled this year. He only had a couple of games where he sat back and went, hey, hey, there you go. Um, now, you don't like my analysis because it's, you know, it's pro Carson Wentz and, you know, it, it, you know, you thrive on the hatred of it. <laughs> well, I still want them to work things out. I just don't know if it's fe- going to be feasible at this point. Well, if, if they're I, able to work things, yeah, if they're able to work things out, that'll be the number one thing that Nick Sirianni can win me over is if he can fix Carson Wentz physically and mentally. The problem is you've got to fix a lot around him. They did not do a good job of fixing what was around him. Also, very true, and he's got which to do that then, too. Which then dominoed into him struggling. It dominoed into him struggling. They're yep. off your offensive line, not fixing the wide receiver situation. Uh, you know, there's a lot of things that go into this. Um, uh, it's more than that. Yeah, and a lot of you know, have an awesome defensive line, awesome defensive line. After that, there's a real drop off at linebacker in the secondary. And in a league that throws the ball a lot, that's not good. And you got problems. Meanwhile, the Phillies, to their credit, I got to give the Phillies credit. They're bidding against themselves <laughs> for JT Real Muto. There's nobody out there offering him $110 million. Come on, really? You feel like they're bidding against themselves. So the winner of the contest that you put together drives Carson Wentz to the airport? (laughs) Sure, let's go with that. That kind of seems like a hateful way of doing a contest, don't you think? (laughs) That's how bad it's gotten. All right. Great to have you with us on the show. Ed Kratz on the new Eagles hire that Matt already hates on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Taking your calls at 800 795 9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Because of you, because you want to talk so much about Nick Sirianni, I had to hang up on Jack Ham. <laughs> Send him my apologies. 
I, I'm not so sure it's re- it's it's repairable. All right. <laughs> Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. SI Eagle Maven, Ed Kratz, our good friend, joins us. Ed, welcome. Great to have you with us. Hey, thanks. Uh, please, don't, don't. I'm sorry to hear you had to cut your uh, previous call short there. Uh, <laughs> well, that's with, okay. With it's that Matt. It, linebacker. It, it, it's his fault, not yours, and he understands if it was for you. All right, so, <laughs> so let's get the Nick Sirianni here. Uh, yeah. Obviously, in terms of the bright, young offensive mind, he falls into that category. What was your initial reaction when you found out that, in the end, he was the one that emerged? Well, you know, it wasn't much of a surprise when you heard that his interview, that really he was the ninth candidate interviewed out of ten in this Eagles search that started on January 11th when they fired Doug Peterson. Um, the interview began Tuesday, and it didn't conclude until Wednesday. So when you hear that, you know, two parties are kind of really – uh, hitting it off like that, that there has to be some uh, some fire to that smoke. And, you know, uh, so it wasn't a surprise when you heard that. But it is a bit of a surprise when you consider Josh McDaniels was really the perceived front runner in this whole thing. And, uh, you know, I think he would have got the job, but I'm not so sure Jeffrey Lurie was ready to sign off on McDaniels. And I, he wanted to kind of look around a little bit more. And Sirianni must have come in and really, you know, hit the old proverbial home run to knock uh, – knock McDaniels off the uh, you know off the scene there a lot of times Ed that when you make a hire in the NFL a lot of times not always is the opposite of what you had if I had an offensive coach I want a defensive coach if I had a player's coach I want a disciplinarian you know and so forth this seems like a very similar hire just a younger version of a Doug Peterson you think yeah is that what yeah. yeah I well I yeah. agree I mean you know, Doug didn't have a whole lot of um, head coach. Well, he didn't have any head coaching experience in the NFL, and neither does Nick. Um, Nick is, of course, younger, he, but he does have that uh, reputation of being kind of a player-friendly coach uh, and being able to play to his player's strengths. Now, you know, one of the criticisms of Doug toward the end was that he let his players get away with a little too much uh, and I don't think that the front office was real happy with that. So, you know, Sirianni can't come in and be Doug Peterson in that regard. Uh, what they hope he does is come in and, you know, brings a Super Bowl like Peterson did or becomes that really uh, home run type coach that Andy Reid was when Jeffrey Lurie hired him and he spent 14 years here, never won a Super Bowl, but really gave this city, you know, a terrific run over the most of those 14 years. So that's kind of what I think they're looking for is that young offensive mind, a little bit unheralded, I would say, similar to what Andy Reid was uh, when they hired him. And then he can come in and he can stick around for a while and kind of grow with what looks like it's going to be a young team going forward in the, in the 2021 season. In Indianapolis with Frank Reich, he has been given a lot of credit for the kind of season Philip Rivers put together. He also had Jacoby Brissett that he mixed in from time to time. You look at the Eagles, Carson Wentz and Jalen Hurts give you a feeling that they're the younger versions of what he just had in Indianapolis. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, that's that's a great thought. Uh, you know, I, I also think that the Eagles liked how he shepherded 
uh, how you know Sirianni was able to shepherd through some quarterbacks after Andrew Luck kind of up and surprisingly retired after his first season there in 2018. And then, you know, he went with a backup quarterback, Jacoby Brissett, for 2019. And then you bring in another quarterback, Phillip Rivers, for this past season. So, really, he's dealt with three different quarterbacks, and his offenses have never really skipped a beat. You know, they finished, I think, 10th with Luck, 9th with Brissett, and 12th overall with Rivers. So, you know, I think you get a lot of credit when you can kind of, you know, keep uh, managing, you know, those shifting tides with the different quarterbacks coming in over those three seasons. And you're right, he did find a way to sprinkle Brissett in, uh, and Rivers was totally on board with it. Um, but you mentioned Wentz and Hurts, and, you know, uh, Carson could still request a trade. Um, I don't know what Nick's going to do. Obviously, it's one of the big question marks with this team as far as who is going to be the quarterback. Is he going to have an open competition uh, once things ramp up again in you know April, May, if we're allowed to do that, uh, you know, on the field? Uh, so there's still a lot of question marks in that regard. But yes, if Wentz wants to stay and he wins a quarterback competition or he is anointed the starter, then I could see. Hurts still having a role similar to what Brissett did. Uh, the Eagles did try that, though, with Peterson this year. They did try to bring Hurts in before they gave him the starting job for the last month. Um, but really, the plays that he ran were so predictable that you would yeah. hope that Sirianni would have a little bit more creativity in how to use Hurts if that's the situation. Absolutely. Um, in terms of what the mindset of Nick Sirianni is, what kind of role would his conversations with Frank Reich play in that mindset, in your opinion? Well, I'm sure he leaned on Frank uh, as much as he was able to. I mean, Frank is a terrific uh, coach, an even more terrific person. Got to know him well when he was in Philadelphia. Uh, just a great guy. And whatever Sirianni wanted to ask him, I'm sure Frank was all ears and gave him good consult on whatever it was he was asking. I know Frank had a great experience in Philadelphia, obviously won a Super Bowl with Doug Peterson, um, and he, I know he thinks very highly of Doug uh, as well. I know Frank and Doug are very close, um, and, but I think Frank probably had nothing bad at all to say about the city, about the rough fan base, uh, very demanding fan base, uh, and a front office structure that, uh, is you know pretty much dominated by Howie Roseman as the general manager, uh, but they won a Super Bowl with that structure, and I'm sure Frank knows that and probably gave good advice to Nick about what to expect as far as the personnel side of things go, as far as the, the fan base goes. And there are still some players here from when Frank was here. I'm sure he probably gave him some advice on that, especially on Carson. Right, that's exactly what I was talking about, the Carson Wentz part of it, uh, looking yeah. at it. Look, Carson Wentz is a big reason why in 17, 18, and 19 the Eagles had success. He's part of the reason they didn't have success this year. So how do you view Carson Wentz? Because the dominoes around him didn't fall right this year to help him out either. You know, nobody has really identified what the big problem was. I mean, we've all got our theories about what it was, mechanics, looking over his shoulder, it hurts, uh, issues with Doug Peterson. I mean, there's a lot of theories that have been offered, and I, I'm of the belief that if you want to fix a problem, you have to identify what that problem is. 
And I'm not sure anyone's quite done that yet. So I think that's going to be up to Nick to come in here and, and try to get to the bottom of it. It was a big topic, I'm sure, in all these interviews that the Eagles held with these 10 candidates that they brought in. Um, so I, I would suspect that that's certainly going to be a big part of what Nick's going to have to figure out. And I listen, I mean, you're right. Carson was a big part of the success obviously in 2017 playing at an MVP level before tearing the two knee ligaments and then winning four games in a row last year to win the NFC East and get them in the playoffs. Uh, so really the Eagles were as good as Wentz was, and you have to try to figure out a way to get him back to that point if you want to have success. Whether or not he'll have that opportunity, I mean, Carson hasn't talked. We don't know if he's going to come out and request a trade. Uh, I'm sure the Eagles uh, are hoping that that does not happen with this hiring of Nick, um, but we'll see. I mean, but obviously it's something that uh, they're going to have to get to the bottom of because I'm not sure they're completely sold on Jalen Hurts either at this point, the Eagles. Ed, give me uh, – okay, you're sitting there, you have an opportunity to ask two or three questions to uh, Nick Sirianni. What would those two to three questions be? Well, uh, it's good. I would I would ask him – just about Carson Wentz and, and uh, you know, what his impressions far have been of Carson and had he talked to Frank about Carson, because I'm sure those are the questions that are being asked in the interview. So my first question would be uh, about Carson Wentz and uh, how he was able to kind of keep the Colts on pace with three different quarterbacks uh, over these three seasons. Uh, and then I would want to know exactly if he'll call the plays and I don't think he called plays under Frank uh, in Indianapolis. And I, want to, I would ask him about his play calling. What kind of uh, uh, coach do we expect to see? You know, Doug was a very aggressive coach. A lot of fourth down calls. The Eagles really relied heavily on analytics. Uh, so I would want to know, because I know the Eagles want to use analytics, I would want to know if he's willing to follow those analytics and, uh, and, and uh, you know, call plays that are aggressive and, and that adhere to those analytics, or is he going to try to be his own man and, and do things his way? Which then gets down to it. Doug Peterson certainly gave one the impression that he didn't have free reign over certain things. Is that the impression you got? Uh, free reign over personnel, for sure. Uh, for, yeah. He did not have any free reign. He had no reign whatsoever over personnel. Exactly. Nor did he have reign over his coaching staff? We kind of learned that last year when he came out and said that you know his offensive coordinator, Mike Groh, and receivers coach, Carson Walsh, would return. And then the next day he fired him. Um, you know, so we know right then and there that, no, he doesn't have control over his coaches. I think he wanted to bring back Press Taylor as his offensive coordinator, Jeffrey Lurie wouldn't have it. Uh, so that was that. You know, I think that Doug probably wanted to get fired. I think this whole search kind of caught the Eagles off guard a little bit. They thought they were going to still have Doug as their head coach. Um, but I think Doug just got a little fed up with not having that type of control. I don't think he ever wanted full control over personnel. He just wanted to be a coach. But I think that was an issue in some areas that he wanted some control over. Um, but he didn't get it, and he has control of the roster. My, I was told that his, it was his decision alone to decide to bench Carson Wentz and go with Jalen yep. Hurts. So right. uh, he did have control over the roster and how he coached those players, but he did not have some control in other areas. And, yeah, I think that affected him, and I think Nick will come in and he'll do what he has to do, the same thing. Howie Roseman has a very heavy hand in personnel and – 
Um, hopefully they let Nick pick his own coaching staff, uh, but we'll see. Well, you know, uh, we'll see if he lets them do that, and we'll know here when these coaches start to get announced whether they were front office picks or whether they're Nick's picks. All right, here's here's not a hypothetical, but just on past experience, how much time do you give a new coach at the NFL level? You know, before you really start making your evaluation as to whether it was the right hire or not, is it? halfway through the season, after a season, a year and a half in, a couple of years? How do you look at it, Ed? Well, I, you know, listen, I like to give at least three years. And, and I got you. give that same length of time for a draft class. You know, everybody always puts out their instant grades after a draft class happens or, <laughs> yeah. you know, the draft right. happens. Um, but I like to wait three years and see how things evolve. I, I know it's a kind of the microwave society and you want to have success right away. Um, but unless you're really screwing things up and your player, you know, you have a mutiny on your hands early, um, which you know may have been the case with Josh McDaniels. I mean, you know, he does have that perception of being very arrogant, very uh, you know, unable to kind of build personal relationships. Um, so I don't think with Nick you're going to have that issue. You know, by all accounts, he seems like you know he's a he's an emotionally intelligent guy like Peterson was, and uh, I think they'll give him time to build his culture. And I think it takes three years to kind of root that culture, a couple draft cycles, get your players in here, uh, let them develop, uh, teach them, and, and give that coach time to win. And it doesn't always, you know, that's not always the case, unfortunately, in the NFL. But I think that's kind of, to me, three years is the benchmark. Ed, absolute pleasure. Always great to have you on. Appreciate your perspective. Hey, my pleasure, Steve. Thank you. All right. So. So do you feel better after the conversation? I mean, because all these guests that we get about the Eagles are actually more about, you know, your blood pressure. <laughs> it's it's getting better. I'm starting to get a little more sold on it. And the other perception I'm starting to get, too, is, and it makes perfect sense as to went to success in 2017, the links to Wentz maybe going to the Colts if the Eagles decide to trade him is Frank Reich played a big part in that. And I think we all knew that more and more as the as the Doug Peterson era went along without Frank Reich. So I think if out of all the candidates, if who may have the best chance to, I think it might be Sirianni, though I still think Biennemi could have done that too. And I think he's a creative play call, and I think that could help as well. But I, I think this could work to help salvage Carson. I, I feel better about that. Overall, and I think that's the most important thing the Eagle fans should feel right now. I mean, maybe the enemy's going to Houston, and maybe have told them, "Hey, look, I'm going to go to Houston. We just can't announce it until after the AFC Championship game." Maybe. It could be that. Could be. Yeah, um, I know that would make Deshaun Watson a whole heck of a lot happier because that's the main issue down there with them, and that is a reason to live. All right. Deshaun Watson's happiness. I woke up today. I said, boy, I hope Deshaun Watson's happy today. <laughs> I, was actually more, I was actually more worried about your mental health. Well, I appreciate that. We're doing good. You know, because you, you can't, when it comes to the Eagles, right, you can't be 200 over 120. <laughs> <laughs> we'll come back with more in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Okay.
Hubs Home Oxygen and Medical Supplies is proud to celebrate 65 years of serving the needs of Central Pennsylvania with outstanding respiratory services and quality home medical equipment. Hubs has solutions to make you and your loved ones safer and more independent at home. With locations including a new office in Sealands Grove, there's always a Hubs Home Oxygen and Medical Supply nearby to help improve your life. Carmen's startup found an angel investor, but now they're asking for a miracle from her development team. Hello, this is Carmen. That's exciting news. I guess we could launch early. It's time to hire. I need Indeed. Indeed you do. The moment you sponsor a job on Indeed, you get a short list of quality candidates from our resume database. Indeed delivers two and a half times more hires than the other branded job sites combined, according to Breezy HR 2019. Visit Indeed.com credit and get a $75 credit for your first job post. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, so uh, you also root for Notre Dame. They were placed on one-year probation. uh, I know you're kind of hoping the Eagles take the same tact as your favorite college team does by cheating. No. I mean, this, you read this and you look at it and say, what the heck? Okay. They were placed on probation for a year today after the sides agreed that a former assistant coach had impermissible off campus recruiting contact with a high school player in January 2019. Okay. Now for the sordid details. Okay, get ready. These, this is burning. Brian Kelly also had impermissible off-campus contact with a prospect in October 2019 when the player recognized the Irish head coach walking through a high school cafeteria in Pickerington, Ohio, and asked him to take a photo. Kelly initially declined before ultimately allowing the photo. Oh. My. God. Really? In addition to the probation, the fighting Irish were also fined $5,000 and face other recruiting restrictions, including one less official visit. 14 fewer days for unofficial visits and a seven-day off-campus recruiting ban for the entire coaching staff in the spring. Meanwhile, you've got other people out there running rampant out there. They never seem to catch them. (sighs) This is why I hate the NCAA. It's just... I see stuff like this, and I'm like, really? That's your big pelt on the wall? Okay, really? Ay, 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 ay. Meanwhile, you get teams being accused of bags of cash and McDonald's bags, but they're not on probation yet. Really? It's, it, 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 you just sit back and say, you, you have to be kidding me. Really? You know how many rules are so deep in the book? I mean, so deep in the book. To be honest with you, anytime there's any kind of conflict that I'm just not sure, sometimes I'll, I'll call compliance and I'll say, hey, am I allowed to do this or not? And sometimes they don't know the answer. 
this kind of for the NCAA to actually release a statement on it first of all is just absurd you got a problem right now with two programs in particular in the SEC one is now becoming obvious based on what Dan Patrick reported on the show and he intimated who the other program might be in the SEC how come we're not crawling over campus there to find out what the deal is there And not only that, at McDonald's headquarters, do they realize how their bags are being used? The publicity, though, is not bad for McDonald's. But if I were the University of Tennessee, I wouldn't ask them to be a corporate partner with signage right about now. 